Hey guys, before we get into the show, I have something really fun for you. I have my really good friend, Natalie Ellis from Boss Babe. She is the CEO and founder, and she's also the host of the incredible Boss Babe podcast. It is one of my favorites. And she is on here to tell you the things that she recommends when you feel overwhelmed. Natalie, what should we do? Okay, Laurie, I'm so excited to be here. And what I really wanted to talk about was how you can get off of the overwhelm wheel, where we get so stuck, where like on this hamster wheel, we cannot get off because we're so burned out. We're not doing the things or avoiding the things and things continue to pile up. Sometimes we just need a reset. We need to fully hit pause, wipe the slate clean and reset. The best way to do this is look at your to-do list with the four Ds. Do, delegate, delay or delete. Do, you're going to do it. Delegate, you're going to delegate it and really be ruthless with this because you can delegate so much more than you think. Mm -hmm. Delay, you're going to put this out of your mind because now is not the right time or now is not the season that this thing should be done on. Delay it without guilt. Or finally, and the thing that I think is the most important, delete. Mm. How many things do you have on there that you really don't want to be doing? You're just doing it because you think you should. I know when you shed the shoulds, that's how you can really get into reset mode. So I'm going to encourage you to go through it with a fine tooth comb, maybe even twice to see what things on there you can delete. Oh my God, this is so good. I'm going to run through my to-do list with this list from now on. And I can't tell you how many things that I have written down that I'm like, why is that even on there? It's just taking up space in my brain. So Natalie, thank you so much for this. And if you guys love these tips, she is Full of them. Truly, it's one of my personal favorite podcasts. So go join, download the Boss Babe podcast for more tips from Natalie. All right, let's get in the show, guys. Why do we do this to ourselves? Like, why do we let society tell us that we have to be like perfect at home and a perfect wife and a perfect mom and our makeup and hair has to be done and our house has to be ready for like a better homes and garden shoot. And we have to build a business and we have to be a boss, but not too bossy. Like we can't be too bitchy. Like all these things, like why do we put this much pressure on ourselves for what? Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. My guest today is Vina Jetty. I got to meet her at a mastermind that I was speaking at. She was another guest speaker and I got to hear her on stage and I was like, oh my God, who is this woman? This is something that I have not really learned about, the topic that she was talking about. And I was like, I want to be more educated in what she's doing because I'm like, this woman is so crazy successful and I didn't really even understand this world or how it existed. And she is a multifamily investor with over $900 million in transactions. You guys, I actually know that since this podcast, she has hit $1 billion in transactions. So that is so cool. And we're actually going to celebrate when I see her. She's going to be a speaker at Girlfriends in Business, this upcoming event that I have. And she is a founding partner of Vive Funds. It's a unique commercial real estate firm that specializes in curating conservative opportunities for investors. Vina brings a dynamic perspective to targeting, acquiring, managing, 
acquiring and operating assets using best practices combined with cutting edge technologies. She also leads a Facebook community called Mastering Multifamily with Vina Jetty. And you guys, if you want to learn about this, you can absolutely go over to her Facebook page. It's a spot where she's just constantly educating it. But something that I really love about Vina is the fact that she runs something, a fund that is so large, but constantly is talking about how she optimizes her life and her time with her family because she is so insanely successful now. But we also talk so much about in this podcast just about how that has transferred into her actual life and how she still is able to maintain this life that she loves and what that looks like to have to manage everything that she's doing. But this was so eye-opening for me. This is a conversation I do not typically have. I had the opportunity to go to lunch with Vina before we had our podcast and my brain was like, exploding with trying to understand everything in this particular world. So if you want to be opened up to something new, if you want to hear from a woman who is really balancing life really well and has a lot of hacks for you around that, this podcast is for you. So let's get started. Vina, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much for coming on. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Oh my God. No, I'm more excited. I don't think that's possible. It's not possible, Lori. So we got to meet through a mutual friend. We have, we, well, now I've learned we have so many mutual like friends. Like everybody we know. The initial contact was yeah. Kate Craft. She's incredible. Amazing. Like she is one of my favorite humans. She's just unapologetic and she's such a hype girl. And I love that about her. Like whenever I'm like, oh, I need to just like feel better about sales or like go out in the world. And yeah. Talk. She's just like, do it. Talk about yes. it. Why yes. stopping? Yes. She's amazing. <laughs> I feel like all of our mutual friends are like just girls, girls. And it's like so fun to be around that environment. It is. It is. I call it girlfriend energy. Like in yeah. like, together and I sat down with you. I'm like, oh, she's just got girlfriend energy. Meaning like, you show up and you're like, oh, I want to be your girlfriend. And also just like, it's easy to drop in. It's an yeah. easy, like comfortable vibe. So Vina and I got to go to a long lunch that felt yeah. very like, all of a sudden I'm like, we've sat here a very long time. I'm growing into the booth. Um, yeah. It didn't even feel like it. it was just like, it felt like it went by so fast too, because we were just, well, remember you had just had numbing done. And so you were like, I can't talk. You guys, I had just gone to the dentist. I was like doing something with my veneers. And so, so good. So so good. Me, I'm like, whatever, she's either going to like me or not. And we're just going to roll with the fact that I'm like pretty much drooling out of my mouth. It was amazing. It was amazing. Gosh, that's right. I couldn't even wrap my mouth around the straw. Yeah. That's right. Okay. So you see how this friendship started. It's just going to get better. You guys. Yes. And today, this is what I want you to understand is we're having so much fun and we're chatting together already. And you're probably totally like getting the gist of the energy and feeling like you can connect to Vina already. That's totally how I felt. But what I want you to also know is this woman has bought and sold over a billion dollars in multifamily assets. And Vina, that's something that I love about you is the contrast of how approachable you are and what a good teacher you are, along with being such a brilliant boss. And so I couldn't picture a more perfect guest 
to talk about some of the things we're going to talk about today, which is imposter syndrome, balancing home and work, what is emotional labor, and then some diversity and exclusivity and why that's really important for companies and what that means to them. So I feel like we need to get started here and just talk about does a person who has sold a billion dollars in multifamily assets, do they even still get imposter syndrome? And what did that look like when you started? A thousand percent, yes. And I think it's so funny because when I tell people this, I'm like, oh, you know, it's like a little bit of my imposter syndrome kicking out because I've got I've gotten really, really good at identifying when it's speaking to me because I know it exists. I've now acknowledged that this is something that I struggle with. This is like a weakness, right? It's an opportunity for me to be better is to address the imposter syndrome. And so I'll like say something, I'll be like, ah, you know, it's probably just my imposter syndrome's creeping out into real life. And people are like, you have imposter syndrome. What are you talking about? Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? It's a real thing. And I read about it because I didn't know what it was at first before I had like this word to describe it. And I went and I read about it. And what I learned is like some of the most accomplished people on the face of the planet have it, but even more so it affects women that are in traditionally male dominated spaces, especially. So like Sonia Sotomayor, who's a chief justice of the Supreme, or not chief justice, but a justice in the Supreme Court. She has imposter syndrome. Meryl Streep, one of the greatest actresses of all time, has imposter syndrome. Tom Hanks has imposter syndrome. Like it was crazy to me when I learned that. And so I stopped trying to hide it. And now I talk about it because I one thing I know for sure is that if I feel this, there are other people that also feel this. And I think it's important to kind of normalize the conversation around it so that we can address it and we can overcome it together. And we can't do that if we don't recognize that there's even something to address or overcome. I love that. I think if you're evolving and growing, I don't believe that there's a way to escape it because you're going into new territory. So it yeah. is the, it is the version of you that is not yet prepared yes. for new territory. Therefore, you're not ready. And yes, no, that's exactly it. It's a, it's actually the problem with continuing to grow is that you continue to have new imposter syndrome because you're like, what is this thing? Like you and I at lunch, right? We talked a lot about social media and strategy. And I was like, I think I said to you, I was like, what do I have to share with people on Instagram? And you're like, are you insane? What do you mean? What do you? And it's like, that was my imposter syndrome speaking, right? Because I'm like, why would anyone want to hear what I have to say about this? Mm, oh my gosh. It can be in every single area of our life. And imposter syndrome can even come into the areas that we already feel good in when we go to the areas we're good in, but with new people. Yeah. Just constantly, I think imposter syndrome comes a lot when you're just experiencing a new version of you in yeah. a different room. So I think that's something that will never, ever, ever leave us. And I want to go back to your first, I want to go back to how you kind of support yourself around it when you know you're about to have it. So let's go back to kind of your first deals when you were starting to learn about what mm. even is multifamily, how do I make my first deal? Now, it's not like you're going to go and do this alone, right? What did you do? Who did you have in your life? How did you support yourself around that imposter syndrome conversation that was probably going on? You know, I'll say I probably didn't support myself as well as I could have today because I didn't know it was imposter syndrome. I had no way of identifying these like feelings that I was having, right? And I had no way of knowing why I felt so uncomfortable. I thought it was, I feel uncomfortable because this is a new territory for me, right? Like, 
being a multifamily was something I hadn't done before. I hadn't done a deal this big before. My first deal I bought was $15.9 million. I'd never done a deal that big, right? Now I buy $100 million deals like regularly at this point. Like it's not as intimidating for me to look at it. So I think I just didn't know that it was imposter syndrome. So I don't think I supported myself really well back then. Mm-hmm. Today, it's much easier for me to see that this is imposter syndrome because when I think like practically to the resume, right? Like the credibility piece of what I've done, it's very easy for me to compare apples to apples with somebody else that I'm talking to. And I'm like, okay, you're trying to do your first deal, Hmm. right? I've done like a billion of these deals. I've done a billion dollars in deals. And so I'm like, okay, so it's not because I don't feel like I have something valuable to offer you that can't possibly, clearly I must know, like just maybe one thing more than somebody who's never done it before, right? So at that point, it's much easier to say like, okay, this is probably not a content issue. It's probably not the issue of me not having been qualified to speak on this. It's probably just my insecurity and like the imposter syndrome kicking in. And it can be really challenging because, you know, the entrepreneurial world, especially in finance, which I'm in private equity and multifamily, it's mostly white male dominated, right? And so I'm like a minority and a woman. So I have like a double whammy there. And so it's, it's often that I'm the only woman or the only minority in a room. And I sometimes I'm in these positions where I'm like, do I belong here? Like, is this room for me? And I think that, you know, it's part of why I think diversity is really important too, is because imposter syndrome is bred from the fact that we might be the only ones in that room that look like us or think like us. So good. So what are some things now that you do when you are going into new territory? Like right now you're, is there something that you're working on? That's an edge for you. Yeah. Feeling some imposter syndrome around. And so Uh, what are the things that you are doing to help yourself with it? All the time. Like literally every day I have something that I'm like, should I be doing this, Vina? Like, what are you thinking, Vina? Right? Like this is a very common feeling, right? I'm sure you feel it too. Oh God. Yeah all the time. And we don't really talk about it that much. So one, I confront it right away. I'm like, guys, I want to talk about this, but I'm having a little bit of imposter syndrome, right? So it kind of helps address the elephant yes. in the room, right? Like it kind of... Totally t- what I do. Let's put it out there so put I can... Put it out there. I don't have to pretend it's like I'm hiding. Right. right. And so I think like that's the first thing. I think the second thing is really changing your mindset and the people that you're around, right? So I'm around people that are doing more than me, which is intimidating for me, right? Like when I'm talking about social media, like I'm talking to Lori Harder about social media, like what is happening right now, right? But it's like approaching those conversations with the willingness and the desire to learn from that, right? Like I don't feel like I have something to prove here because I know where my lane is. But when I was talking to you about it, you are telling me all the things that you have spent decades learning the probably the very hard way. And I'm getting like the shortcut. And I'm like, I just have to absorb all of this and know that I don't need to have read every book in the library to teach someone something. I just need to be one or two chapters ahead of the person I'm teaching. And I think that mindset shift is really huge when you're talking about imposter syndrome. Mm. Okay. So let's move into, you know, we've talked about all of the things that you have on, on your plate right now. I know that you have way more than we even touched on, but balancing home and work, because I know that you have twin daughters, three, they're almost four. Yeah. Wow. What does that look like? 
how do you set your day up? What do you need? What kind of help did you have to get? What? Tell me all the things, balancing homework. <laughs> okay, so I hire out like literally everything. If I don't like doing it, I don't do it. I have not done a dish in like, six or seven years, literally not one dish. I do not pick up dishes. I do not put them in the dishwasher. I don't like doing it. I'm not going to do it. I also hire out like laundry, housekeeping, grocery shopping, everything I hire out because I just don't want to spend my time doing that. Mm -hmm. And like, why should I? I don't have that much time. I value my time a lot. So I think the first thing for me was really losing some of the guilt of being like, the, it's like wife guilt, like, oh, I should be like taking care of my husband and, you know, cooking him dinner and, you know, making sure the house is beautiful for him. And I, I would love that. I really would, but it's not who I am, right? Like I have other gifts. Those are not my gifts. Yeah. I also have a lot of mom guilt with young children and like, oh my gosh, like I did not hand make their Valentine's day cards for their class. I didn't plan their birthday party. I hired a party planner. Like all of these things are things like I'm not good at, I don't like doing them. And I want to spend high quality time with my family when I get that time. So I value my time so much more. So and what I think like just in the beginning for, you know, cause some women are starting to delegate or they're starting to think about it mm-hmm. from the you couldn't hire it all out. I'm sure yes. you're building your career. Right. What right. was the first thing that you did and how did that kind of layer, like, was there an yeah. income spot that you were like, okay, now I can hire this or what did that look like? So actually what I did was I assigned like a dollar value to my hour that was much lower than what I was making. So I went in and I said, okay, $15 an hour. This is what I started with. I said, $15 an hour. Anything that I can hire out that I do not like doing for $15 an hour or less, I'm going to do that. Oh, I love that guideline. Yeah, yeah, that was how I started, right? And obviously, as you make more money, your time becomes more and more valuable. So you can like adjust that up and you'd be like, okay, anything less than $100 an hour, $50. But the point is, is it's whatever that feels like for you is what you should use. It shouldn't be what I used as a guideline, should be what feels comfortable and affordable to you. And it can just be one thing. I started with housekeeping. Mm -hmm. So I hate cleaning the house. I'm hiring a housekeeper. I then moved to like, okay, I don't really like to cook that much. I'm good at it, but I just don't like it. And it's so much time and energy and effort. So I had started with like meal kits, right? And now now what I've done is like totally the ultimate hack, which is I bought two houses in my neighborhood, like down the street from me that are across the street from each other. And I moved my parents into one and my in-laws into the other. And my mom and my mother-in-law are phenomenal cooks. So now I just like, don't even cook ever anymore. That is um, a good hack. Such a good hack. Goals. That's where you're going. Yes. The, your favorite cooks towards you. <laughs> like that's really the goal. Right. And, and also, you know, free built-in babysitting too. So it's like a whole different life hack. Right. But, you know, I, I started doing this and then I hired my nanny and my au pair and they do like the kids laundry and all that stuff. And then I was like, wait, I really hate doing laundry. So there's all these apps now. There's an app I used called Sudshare. I don't know if you've heard of it, but like for a dollar a pound, they will come pick up your laundry at your house. Someone will take it home, wash it, fold it or hang it for you and deliver it back to you in less than 48 hours. Usually it's 24 hours. And I'm like, a dollar a pound. This is like $25 a week for two people. 
let's do that. So I started doing that. And then I, you know, I moved it to my housekeeper now and I pay her to do it. But the point is, is like finding those places where you can cut down your responsibility, your role, especially if it's something you hate, you should be doing it and not feeling guilty for it either. I totally agree. And you know, some people might be listening like, whoa, that's a lot. And that's, but that's the goal. That's the dream. That's what she worked for. And that's also what helped you aid in being able to make more money. That was something that was done on Chris and I's journey in the beginning is that we wanted to spend more time building. Like we wanted more time doing the thing. So instead of working all week, only to take the whole weekend to do house chores. Yeah. Because I was, I wanted a clean house. I couldn't work well in my house working out of. I was like, okay, we need to hire housekeeping. And then after that, I was like, laundry is taking me way too long. This is insane. We work out and wear all these different clothes throughout the day. So at first I was, I'm from the Midwest, like in the Midwest, you just, if you're raised there, you're just guilty and you feel like you should do everything. We're supposed to get like a trophy for doing everything. And I know real. I just, it was like such a martyr. And then I got all of that time back. I worked on the business more, which on the weekends, we just got ahead. And that's really, I attribute so much of our growth to getting a housekeeper and getting my laundry done because it just, it's almost like a sign to the universe too, that says like, I'm taking this serious. It's the first place that you learn how to delegate too. Definitely. I had thousand and it's very intimate too. So it's almost like a little bit more scary to have yeah. housekeeping or like someone doing your laundry, like your dirty clothes. It's very vulnerable. And if you can get comfortable there, like you can run a business. Hey y'all, if you didn't know, Earn Your Happy is now a part of the Growth Day Podcast Network. This is so exciting to me because I have been looking for a really good home for the show for I can't even tell you, years, literally. And now I've finally been able to come together and collaborate with other people who have incredible shows and I want to share them with you. One of the shows is Motivation with Brennan Bouchard. And you guys, if you don't know about the beginning of my career, I literally started with Brennan Bouchard's work. It's how I launched one of my very first online courses and membership sites was because he gives so much advice that you can integrate and implement immediately. And that's what you're going to get on the show. Not just motivation, but you're going to learn exactly how to get your stuff out in the world. And not just that, but Brennan runs in the most incredible group of humans who are really doing the thing out in the world that you want to be doing. So go check it out. Go subscribe to Motivation with Brennan Bouchard. I promise you, this is going to be one of those shows that no matter when you tune in, you're going to get value. Like it's not one of those that you're like, God, I listened for 30 minutes and I didn't get what I wanted. Like from the beginning, you're going to get something that changes your life or changes your business. So go check it out. Motivation with Brennan Bouchard. I know you're going to love it. I'm obsessed. That is such a good point because it was also one of the first places where I allowed someone else to take care of me. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yes. And I, I like, Midwest too. I totally, <laughs> I, it's like, I feel this in my bones, girl. Like it is, why do we do this to ourselves? Like, why do we let yeah. society tell us that we have to be like 
perfect at home and a perfect wife and a perfect mom and our makeup and hair has to be done and our house has to be ready for like a better homes and garden shoot. And we have to build a business and we have to be a boss, but not too bossy. Like we can't be too bitchy. Like all these things, like why do we put this much pressure on ourselves for what? I know my housekeeper was here the other day and she had said something like she just kind of like downgrading her job or just saying like, well, I'm just a house. I don't remember just was something like that. And I was like, hold on. I was like, you allow us to do X, Y, and Z. Yes. It was like, I come home and see things put away in such a detailed way. It's like, I feel so loved by you. Like all of the things you do has love written all over. And I'm like, that has such an impact in our life. And so that's what you have to remember too, is in the beginning, sometimes they're like, oh, I feel bad. Or I'm embarrassed to tell people I have this and that all my work is out there, you know, or that it's all being delegated. No, that is such a beautiful way for people want to help you. And obviously it's more jobs and it's just such a, it's a beautiful, like energetic exchange, just in different ways. It it really is like I, my life does not exist without all of the people that are support systems. Like I cannot go out and do that. Like I could not, I couldn't buy and sell a billion dollars of real estate without a support team in my personal and my professional life. Right. Like I recently, I think I told you I hired a driver. Yes. Oh my gosh. Can I tell you, I felt guilty when I did it. Cause I'm like, I can drive. Like I don't need a whole person, but what it has done for me just from a professional, well, one, I hate driving, right? But now I can sit in my car and literally be working while I'm on my way somewhere. I'm so much more efficient and Mm -hmm. it frees up time for me to like spend time with my family, which is the thing I really care about the most. Yeah, that is beautiful because the amount of things that you could get done that maybe you're doing at night or whilst the, you're all watching a movie together, but mom right. is still working. Like these are the things you have to think about that it's not selfish. It's actually very selfless. You just have to know where you want to, what you're prioritizing, yes. what you're prioritizing. Yeah. Like I wouldn't have prioritized a driver early on because it was like, that wasn't the low hanging fruit. And it wasn't the thing I hated the most. Right. So like you find that dollar amount that you're comfortable spending per hour And you know what you can do too? Like if you're really starting out and I do this all the time, like I have these organization projects that come up and I'm like really bad at it and I hate it and I don't have time. I'll post in like our neighborhood app or whatever, next door or whatever it's called. And I'll post and I'll be like, is there a stay at home mom that wants a little bit of extra spending money? Come to my house for like three or four hours, organize this closet and I'll pay you like a hundred, two hundred dollars. And it's so beautiful because it helps them like, right. Especially like, okay, they have that like pair of soccer shoes that are like a hundred dollars. Like kids are expensive, man. And I'm like, it helps both of us. It's such a massive exchange of value there. And like, you can start small like that. You don't have to do everything all at once. Wow. I love that hack because they're also like in your neighborhood. Yeah. They're kind of like, not just going to go bail and be like, Oh, like, I feel like you can trust, you feel neighborly. You can trust that. Yeah. And it helps them like with whatever they need to do, especially stay at home moms, because a lot of times I feel like society like really undervalues stay at home moms. Cause that is like such a hard job. I could never do that. And I'm like, okay, well, this is a way for me to support them. And then they too feel like they're contributing to their family or they're doing like that one extra vacation with their kids or they're going to Disney. Maybe they're like, 
buying that souvenir there that they wouldn't have otherwise because now you're supporting them. It's, it makes the world go round, I'm telling you. I love that. Okay, any other balancing home and work hacks that you've found that you're like, wow, I could not live without these things? I th- well, I started like scheduling people on my calendar, which I think has been really life-changing for me because it was really hard for me to manage like, okay, when is the housekeeper coming? When is my au pair working? When are the kids in school? So like, just like having like a family calendar has been really helpful and like using apps to help schedule that so I could push out messages simultaneously. But that's not really something you need until you get to like multiple people that you're trying to manage at the same time. But I think it's just starting, just start. Like, don't feel guilty, just go for it. And if you hate it, you can always go back to doing it yourself. It's not permanent. That's true. That's, that's, you know, trust me, you can always go back to that. You won't, but you could. (laughs) What about relationships and family time? Like your relationship and family time. Do you schedule that into your calendar? Is that something planned out or what's that like? Yeah, so usually between like 5.30 and 7.30, most weekdays, I try not to schedule anything. Like I'll take a meeting or a call if it's something like really important or something I really want to do. But generally, I leave that time open because that's like, I have to focus on quality because I don't get a lot of quantity time with my kids. So that's something that we, I try to be pretty good about, pretty religious about. And then, you know, if I get a few minutes in my day or something like that, I'll always try to like go hang out with the kids, even if it's for like 10 minutes. But I'll tell you, I'm really bad at work-life balance. Like people ask me, they're like, how do you do everything? And I'm like, I don't, it's not possible, right? When I am serving my business, someone else is taking care of my kids. When I'm with my kids and my husband, someone else is taking care of my business and you can't do it all. And I think the sooner you accept that and realize that, the easier it is to kind of like acknowledge that this is just part of life. You have to prioritize sometimes. When I'm with my kids, I'm not on my phone. I'm like very, very... I'm like that person when I'm at... Remember when we were at lunch, I had to keep checking my phone because there was something going on that like I could not... With the airlines, your kids were... Yes. Missing a flight. That's what it was. I sent my kids alone on a plane for the first time ever with their au pair and their flight got canceled. And so I'm like, I'm so sorry. I have to keep checking my phone to make sure they made it. Right. (laughs) But like, I hate that. And I felt so bad about it because I'm one of those people, like I like to be present in the moment. Like, I'm not that person that'll be like sitting at dinner with people going like this, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. cause it's not present. No one feels present. Like I literally will put my phone away mm-hmm. and only check it if there's something crazy that happens to be happening. But it's because I want the other person to know I value their time. I'm here to be present in the moment. I want to like absorb it. I want to enjoy that moment. And I want to like take it all in. And you can't, I don't feel like you can do that when you're constantly checking your phone. It's the same reason I don't have an Apple watch. Because then I'm like constantly looking at it and I'm like, oh, I hate everything about this. It takes me out of the moment. Mm-hmm. Oh God, that's, I, I always, I used to do soul cycle all the time and people, people's Apple watches would be going off by me. And I'm like, I feel like I need to check your Apple watch. <laughs> Stop, this is stressing me out. Like I'm trying to work out and I can, is that your kids? Like what's going on? Right, right. Yeah, no, that's the thing is so like only if it's like life or death is the only time I'm like really checking. Oh, let's talk about emotional labor. What does that mean? You had brought this up and I want to know what this means to you and tell me about it. So I just learned about this. I also learned there's like another word for this called kin keeping. I don't know if you've heard of this before. No, this is okay. I'm very excited. This is very life-changing for me. So (laughs) 
I have to start this by saying, like you, I'm married to like just an incredible human being, like an incredible husband who literally will go to the ends of the earth for me if I ask him to. Like he's amazing. What I realized recently, this was like in the last maybe three or four years, I was like, oh my gosh, I am so tired from doing the same things that I've always done. Why am I more tired now than I was before? And then I like started trying to like, you know, as with everything else, like my imposter syndrome, I'm like Googling it, trying to find out. And I came across this book called Fed Up by Gemma Hartley. I highly recommend men and women should both read it because they will like totally change your perspective. So in this book, she's talking about how she's married to like one of the good guys. So like I tell my husband, honey, can you take the trash out? No complaints. He will do it and he will do it with a smile on his face and that's it. But I'm like, okay, honey, we need to do this and this and this and this. And I was like, I'm so tired. And in the book, she talks about, okay, this is called emotional or invisible labor that happens because you don't see the person that is creating the to-do list. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that is so true. And so it's like remembering that it's your mom's birthday and that you have to go buy a gift and you have to send the gift. Remembering to send out Christmas card invitations, remembering to check in on your friend who just is going through like a horrible divorce, right? Like all of those life things, like there's a list that kind of gets formed and then it gets delegated. So emotional and invisible labor is like the labor of putting together said to-do list and then delegating it and like basically project managing it. Mm. And project management is a whole entire job title all in and itself outside of executing it. And then we, in addition, execute some of it. So it's like, you know, you like hear like husbands who are trying to do like a really great job. And for Mother's Day, they're like, oh, honey, for Mother's Day, I am going to get you a housekeeper to come and clean the house so you don't have to do that. And then the woman is like, great. Now I have the task of going and finding the housekeeper, interviewing the housekeeper, making sure that they know what to do and how I like it done and then paying them. And no, I just, I would rather not do it at all. Right. Mm -hmm. And the gift is really in taking all of that mental burden off of the person that you're gifting it to. So it's like, honey, I made you an appointment at this salon, go get a massage and a mani and pedi and do not come home for the next four hours. Enjoy yourself. The kids are taken care of. The house is taken care of. Don't worry about it. That's the gift because I've taken all the mental decisions that we have to make off of our plate. And mm-hmm. it's the difference between how society teaches women to make these management decisions compared to men, right? Like, so a great example is with like kids, right? Like they can be really picky eaters. Like one day they're like, I will only eat chocolate chip pancakes for the rest of my life. And then the next day you make chocolate chip pancakes and they're like, what is this garbage? Like, why did you put this in front of me? How dare you, right? (laughs) So it's like this whole mental exercise we go through of like, okay, we're out of chocolate chips, but they only want to eat chocolate chip pancakes. So now it's like, will they accept blueberry pancakes, Mm. right? And then it's like, okay, is it better? It's like the calculation of, is it better for me to get in the car, go drive to the store, buy the chocolate chips, come home so that there's no big fallout from that? Or is it like, do I present it as like, oh my gosh, we got these really big, amazing blueberries and I'm going to put Skittles or M&Ms or whatever you have in the house in the pancakes instead. And like, 
convincing them, like presenting it to them in a way that they're going to buy in, where we're trained from a young age in society to feel the ethos and like protect the feelings of the person that's receiving the labor that we're doing. And so that's what's really mentally taxing and exhausting. And that anyway, that's like a very long way to say this is the invisible labor that happens in every household. It's the emotional labor and it's very commonly in heterosexual relationships, it's very commonly the burden is on the woman in the relationship. What do you feel is a way to kind of start like negating that? How do we, yeah. is there a way around that? Cause I'm thinking of all the things that I do in the, I mean, this, my booklet is like just yeah. lists on lists on lists on lists. And I don't know if there's a way to get around that or is there a better way to think about it? So what really changed for me, and and this is probably the single biggest like issue that we've had in our marriage, and it's not like his fault. Like this is ingrained in us from a young age, right? And so I think it was being able to identify what this was and what was making me mentally exhausted. And because I said to him, I'm like, babe, I'm tired from this. And he's like, just tell me all the things you want me to do and I'm, I'll happily do that. And I'm like, I know, but nobody told me that I have to do all of these things, right? Like I just, I have to go and I have to research it and I have to figure it out and I have to talk to people and I have to come up with this list. And in the book, what it was talking about is like, when we're married to good men, it is really unfair to them that we go into this managing and handling all of this all on our own because they shouldn't be spectators of their lives. Like I married my husband to build a life with him. Right. He should be an active participant in that. And for us, it's having those conversations, identifying that this is happening. Good men, when they find that this is something that's happening, they will try to step up to the plate because that's the nature of who they are. Like, I think that's like the true sign of an alpha male is someone who sees their spouse that is like struggling from this and saying, Oh my gosh, I need to help you. Okay. I love this because this kind of goes back to the beginning of our conversation with like delegating is not a thing you should be ashamed of. In fact, if, if we both went to our husbands and said, this is how we feel and we've been burnt out and we're actually a bit resentful of them because that's what happens. That's how a lot of wives get. Most men would say, how can I help? Show me. Yeah. So yes, in the beginning, it's a little more work, right? It's more it work is. to find the person. It's more work to find the au pair, the nanny, the cleaner, the, yeah. the beginning, but it's always worth it. It's like really taking the time to train someone in your company so that then you can hand off all of these things. Totally. And it's like, you know what I do now is like when we had to choose an au pair, interview an au pair, I told my husband, I'm like, honey, when you think you found the one, I'll come in and interview them. And I let him run with the process. And I think what's hard for women like us, especially is that we don't want to let go of the control right? Because I'm like, that's not at all how I would have folded the laundry, right? But it's like, knowing and understanding that like, it's not about the just like, doing it the way you want it done. It's about the fact that they're stepping up and helping and understanding and recognizing that there's more than one way to like fold a t shirt, right? Like, even though it's not your way, there's another way to do it and kind of letting go of some of that expectation and that control so that they can be successful in supporting us and doing this too. And it's like, you know, it's the same thing with like kin keeping, right? It's, I actually learned this from a TikTok video. Love I can't it. remember whose it was, but it's like, you know, when you go to like Thanksgiving dinner and you walk in and like 
as soon as we walk in, right? Like we go to the kitchen and we're like, okay, can I put the rolls in the oven? Let me wipe down this countertop. Let me start putting the dishes away, right? Like all of those things we instinctively know mm-hmm. that the other women around us need help. And we go in and we try to find areas to start helping and getting things done. Cause like we're a collective minded like that. Whereas mm-hmm. with my husband, I have to ask him to do that and he'll do it, but I have to ask him to do it. And so I think it's like pointing out to him that these things are even happening because they don't even know it's happening because it's invisible. Yeah. Right. They're not doing it on purpose. It truly is. Like, I will ask my husband and he'll be like, I didn't even see it. And he's walked by something or the trash or clothes on the ground. He literally does not see it. Right. I have to point it out to be conscious and aware. Yeah. Right. And it's like, I, you know, now what we do is like, we made a list of all the like major things that I handle and we assigned them. So like we assigned it based on strength and what we enjoy doing, right? Like I'm the social one. I really like planning dinners and parties and events. So our social life, I'm the social director of our life. I love traveling. I plan our travel, but like he takes on things like, Hey, you manage making sure like all the nannies and driver, everybody's paid, right? Like that's his role. I don't interfere in that. I don't tell him how to do it. I trust he's competent. He's smart. I know this about him. I trust that he can figure this out or go to figure it out or consult me if he needs advice, right? So like those things, then household items, like anytime like we need, like our our playground in the backyard needed to be restained. I walk in now, there is a time where I would have had to tell him to do it. Now I'm like, oh, this doesn't really look that great. Now, a week later, it's completely stained and taken care of. He's hired someone. He's overseen the project. He's paid them. And I didn't even have to say anything. It's all just one big learning. It's like, and now I have this, I used to get resentful because I would assume that he saw yeah. what I saw. That's just how it was in the yeah. marriage. And that, so I would take it personally. Yeah. Say anything. And then we'd fight for a reason that I wasn't actually verbally saying. It'd be a totally different right. reason that I bring everything that I wasn't saying into it. And that just, that's the quickest way to get a divorce. And so having a conversation about it has like changed my life. It's like, if I haven't stated it, had a conversation and asked, then I don't have the right to be upset. So those are always the things that I'm like, okay, have we done that? So let's talk about diversity and inclusivity. And I know even at lunch, you had kind of touched on this because we were talking about being a woman in male dominated spaces. I had, was working and starting an alcohol company. And I found myself in that position where I was only talking with men and the feelings that were being brought up within me that I wasn't used to. So I really thought of you because that is like your life. So let's, yeah. let's start there. Yeah. I, I'm like kind of annoyingly loud about this now. <laughs> So it's been, it's interesting because again, I'm in spaces where it's primarily like a bunch of old white dudes. Like that's the space that I'm typically in because that's who happens to be in like the upper echelon of the field that I'm in. Right. Now there was a long time where I felt like I couldn't speak up about diversity or inclusivity because I was scared that I was going to get shut out of spaces. But now what's happened is I feel like I've reached a certain level of you know, success or credibility where they can't ignore me now. They might want to, but they really just can't. And so now what I've done is I've used that as a platform to further my mission with helping other women and other minorities kind of get to that top level. And like, I, you know, what I always say is when the topic of diversity comes up, 
people often think like when we're talking about women being in the C-suite, they hear like men don't belong here and they shouldn't be here. And that's 1000% not the case, even a little bit. Diversity and inclusivity means that there has to be room for everybody at the table, not just women, not just men. And so I think focusing on having more voices from different backgrounds and different walks of life, uh, we believe diversity is a strength at our company. Like there are a lot of times you will see companies that will fail because they don't have diversity. You know, a great example is Ford, right? They released a car called the Nova and they released it in Latin America. In Spanish, Nova means it doesn't go. <laughs> so, and I actually, now I can't, oh, remember, no. <laughs> I can't remember if it was Ford or Chevy, but one of the American car companies did this. And so you release the Nova in a language where it says it does not go. Who wants to buy that car? <laughs> Nobody, right? But the thing is, is like, if they had someone who was a Spanish speaker in that boardroom when this decision was being made, I guarantee it would have saved the company millions of dollars. Like they did a full release of this ad campaign for what, right? And so I think like, the, it's just a great example of why more voices from different backgrounds are so important and can be a huge strength to a company. And so anyway, now we, you know, not only is our company, obviously women-led, minority-led, but we actually ask that the companies that we work closely with and that we partner with, we ask for their diversity initiatives as well. Because what I don't want to do is work with a company that doesn't have diversity because I only want to work with the best of the best. Like that is the standard for our company. If you don't have any women in decision-making roles, we're saying one of two things, right? We're either saying we don't believe 50% of the population is qualified or we don't care about it. And I don't know which one is worse, quite frankly. So we're very, very particular about making sure that the companies we work with have diversity initiatives or they're just diverse inherently on their own. For what you said, like it just so much perspective we're missing out on. When so we, much. And it, it's so easy, right, to gravitate towards someone that you, it, yeah. it's easy with, someone that looks like you, someone that you're like, oh, that's going to be a conversation I know is going to be comfortable. I'm not going to feel yeah. comfort zone. But man, I've missed out in the past on a lot of incredible perspective because of even just like as, as minimal as going to the same type of friend, like mm. on so much just by staying in like, oh, well, they're in this lane too. Let me just stay there. And it's like just the diversity from different backgrounds, different walks of life, different genders. Like my God, the amount of things that I've learned from those people, when you just sit through the initial like, okay, this is new, or this might be something new for you to work with or be in the rooms with, but totally. it's game changing. And it is. I was just hearing from someone on stage, just how much women can impact the workplace and how companies, it was like a crazy percentage of how much more they were thriving with having men and women in the workplace. Yeah. And you know, simple things. And, and I tell men this mostly, right? Like men think that they don't have a place to say anything about this, but their voice is almost more important than our voices are. And so like when I speak at conferences, right, there are, I can't even tell you how many times I'm like one of two women or I'm the only woman on stage, right? And 
I hear it all the time from the people that attend these conferences. They're like, oh my gosh, I loved seeing you. I had my daughter follow you or whatever it is, right? Like they're like, I'm so inspired. Like now I know I can do this too, which is amazing. And that's why representation matters and it's important. But I tell people when they go to conferences, I'm like, you need to give this feedback to the organizers because like you are the product here and you need to tell them that like you're looking at this and you're viewing this and you're questioning it. And like, even when I have like my male colleagues that speak and they're like, wow, you're like the only woman here. And I'm like, yeah, did you ask the organizers where the women were? And they were like, well, I didn't think to do this. Like it didn't cross my mind. I'm like, well, why not? If you care about diversity, let's put your money where your mouth is and ask them. And you don't have to be aggressive about it. You can just say, hey, are you planning on including women in the lineup? Mm -hmm. I love seeing women on stage. I would love to see more next year. I'll definitely be back if you have more diversity. And so I think like we, there are ways for us to address these conversations without it being like some contentious discussion. And quite frankly, anybody who is offended by it is probably not my people anyway. So, oh, well, I have loved this. I could literally, again, we could turn this into an eight hour lunch, which would be, <laughs> we would add maybe a cocktail or two, but is there any last things that you want to end with for everybody? I think that it's just, women are like really making strides, major strides, right? 31% of investors are women, which means we made a lot of progress. We still have a long way to go. And I think just like finding your girlfriend energy, right? Like finding those women that are going to support you who can say like, I totally understand. Like I, I get it. I've been there too. Or you can do this. Like sometimes that's all you need. And so like surround yourself with the right people because your mindset is really what is going to make or break everything that you do. And if you hang around with small-minded people, you'll get small-minded feedback and small-minded ideas, right? Like you're going to get those limiting beliefs. You're going to hear from people like, you can't buy a billion dollars of real estate. That's ridiculous. That's not for the Vina Jetties of the world, right? But when you get into these bigger and better rooms, the questions you start getting, like if I say I want to buy $10 billion of real estate, the people in my at my table are going to be like, great, how can I help you get there? How long is that going to take you? How can we shorten your timeline to get there? Not like, oh, that's crazy. You can't do that. Like, it's just, it's a totally different world when you're around the right people. Like, don't underestimate the value of the people eating at your table. So good. Vina, I adore you. I learn something from you every time I talk to you and I know I eternally will. And I'm just really like proud of you and to be your friend. So, you know, if if you aren't the person who can invest a billion dollars, even though you probably are, get that. <laughs> Get them in your circle and then yes. you some goods as well. So you guys go follow Vina. Vina, where can we find you? Follow you. Learn a little bit more about what you do because yeah. you're such a teacher. Yeah, I do a lot of teaching. I like, it's something I'm really passionate about. So I have a Facebook community now. It's called Mastering Multifamily with Vina Jetty. It's free for anybody to join. I do a lot of education around multifamily investing and like building generational wealth and mindset. Uh, or you can find me on social media, Vina Jetty, V-E-E-N-A-J-E-T-T-I. All right, guys, go give her a follow. And it's always so much fun for our guests to see who was listening and what they got out of it. So if you're listening to this and you had some major aha moments or something that you love that she said, give her a tag. You know what to do. Upload yeah. upload this episode to stories. Give her a tag. Let her know what your biggest takeaway was. It's such a gift for people to be able to see what impact they made. So Vina, thank you so much for coming on. So happy to have you. And until next time, earn your happy.
Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. And I want to make sure that you have my phone number and I'm not kidding. Did you know that I have a community text number for real? My phone number is 310-496-8363. This goes directly to my phone. All you have to do is text the word daily to 310-496-8363. And I literally text you every single day, Monday through Friday. I actually just got done 30 seconds ago texting a bunch of people back. And I talk to you all of the time. You guys, people always ask me how I got my community text number and how it works. Well, all you have to do is you can just go to community.com and get your own. Community makes it easy to get a phone number that you can use to build your audience using text. People just text you at your number and they're added to your group. Then you can text them out audios, video links, anything you want. You guys, I text out happy birthday videos. I love to send podcast links, thoughts about life, book recommendations, uh, different events that I'm doing in the local area. Texting gets me out of the noise of social media and directly into your hand. And now you can start texting your people too. Just go to community.com to get your phone number. They give you a 10 digit real phone number, not those weird short codes that look like spam, but it's more than a phone number. Your new number comes with an inbox for SMS and texting. This means you can actually manage your text list from your computer and an app on your phone. You can schedule texts to send at certain times and to certain groups. You can even set up auto replies or let your assistant or customer service team answer your text messages via community's awesome dashboard. Just go to community.com and ask for a free demo. They'll show you how it works and get you your number. It's time to start texting your audience versus just posting on social media. Everyone uses community for that. So go check them out at community.com. I can tell you it's not just great for communicating with my audience, but Chris and I use community and our texts to also sell out our launches. I'm telling you, you get such an incredible response because you really are creating a true deep sense of community and it's so intimate. It's freaking amazing. Go check it out at community.com. Hey all, I'm so excited to share with you, Earn Your Happy is now part of Growth Day Podcast Network. A bunch of us are coming together to bring more growth to the world and support shows and brands that we truly believe in. And one of my friends is also on the network and I'd love for you to go subscribe to his show. You guys, Trent Shelton has the most incredible podcast. It's called Straight Up with Trent Shelton. And it's going to remind you that you are built for this. I have heard Trent speak in person multiple times. I've listened to his podcast a ton. He's coming on the show and I literally cannot wait because this man just spits straight fire. It is like truth that goes to your core and makes you take action right away. If you want one of those podcasts that when you're just out on a walk, you can't help but want to start running and run through a wall in your life, this is the show to go listen to. So you guys make sure that you go subscribe to the show straight up with Trent Shelton. You're going to love it.